Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. to hour two of mornings with Carmen on this Wednesday the 24th of February I'm going to encourage you to be in some wisdom literature today seeking God's wisdom uh, while all the worldly wise are you know flapping jaw about all manner of things um I listened in yesterday to the hearings that are happening on Capitol Hill related to the security failures at the Capitol on January 6th and I got to tell you it was a little disturbing Uh, So let's be praying for that ongoing inquiry and, um, you know, better anticipation, better intelligence, better intelligence sharing, you know, all kinds of things. Good, good things for us to be praying for in terms of those who are in leadership here in uh, this great nation. There are also Senate confirmation hearings going on across a range of uh, appointees by the new president. And we have talked on occasion about the uh, California Attorney General, Xavier Becerra. Um, He sued the little, little sisters of the poor. He tried to force them to provide contraception under Obamacare. During um, the Senate committee confirmation hearing yesterday, let me just say he got grilled. He was criticized um, for his lack of uh, medical experience. Um, how is it that, you know, he is going to serve as the head of um, really of of medical distribution in this country? I mean, for lack of a better way of saying it, he has an unbridled support of abortion. Uh, he supports socialized medicine. He is a constant, constant um, uh I mean, he's almost a villain in terms of like religious liberty. And so anyway, uh, just so that you know, your messages are getting through to members of Congress that this guy is a person who we might be better served by having him not serve in this capacity. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, The one point nine trillion dollar covid relief package to rescue America, um, is getting a lot of criticism. Uh, There is an op-ed today in the Wall Street Journal by Senator Mitt Romney that you might find very, very interesting. I'll just read a couple of quotes here. The $1.9 trillion bill is a clunker. I feel like that is just a good sentence. Uh, It would waste hundreds of billions of dollars, do nothing meaningful to get kids back to school, enact policies that work against job creation, Uh, Senator Romney goes on to say the Congressional Budget Office's recent analysis of this plan found that more than a third of the proposed funding, $700 billion, would not be spent until 2022 or later, which undermines the administration's claim that the massive price tag is justified for urgent pandemic-related needs. Also, notably, um, not sure this is in the Wall Street Journal article, but, um, but I have seen it headlined elsewhere. Included in the package is $150 million to remove and replace Confederate monuments, which one wonders how that is a part of a COVID uh, relief package. Josh, Senator Josh Hawley is going to make headlines today. He's going to introduce an alternative to the proposed um, uh, the proposal that's now on the table to increase the federal minimum wage. That is going to be a story you're going to want to watch. We got some other uh, headlines related to the economy, and we're going to catch up with Bill English 
on all of those. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, joining me again today, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Bible Business. Bill, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. It's good. It's good to talk with you, man. Um, all right. So there is a uh, a boom in some areas uh, in terms of what's going on with COVID. E-commerce is booming. Blue collar jobs are booming and about to boom more. Tell us what's going on here. Well, they're they're seeing a, a a huge, not huge, but maybe I should say a strong demand, an uptick in demand for warehouse, residential construction, and package delivery jobs, which all three would stand to reason. We are not going to the store as much. We are buying more from online services like Amazon. Amazon has to get those uh, goods into a warehouse, and then they have to ship them to us. So the warehouse and the package delivery jobs are up. Employment in these areas are above pre-pandemic levels, what they are finding. Uh, In terms of the residential construction, uh, that is also way up because building and modifying houses to accommodate an ongoing need to work from home is is occurring. And because a lot of people during the pandemic decided to kind of just to stay put, you know, not they're they're just not going to move right now. We're not going to sell our house. There is pent-up demand for new housing, and so new homes are selling at a very brisk pace. In some areas, prices are up over 10% for new homes right now. All right. And, and so, yeah, so I just wanted to remind people all of the kinds of jobs that are related to residential construction. So, you know, if you're if you're thinking about, you know, going and um, getting a credential related to something, go become a surveyor because, man— those guys are hard to get right now, and um, and that's a really like that's a really good paying job. Anyway, so surveying, um, clearing land, framing, um, ele- electrical, plumbing, all the things that are required, roofing, all the things that are required to build a house. Like just think about all of those things, and then say to your kid, "Hey, go go do that," because uh, yeah, there you go. That's be my opinion. There you go. I mean, like you're going to have a job, like a job job, a real job. Well, there, there are real jobs in other sectors, too. But, the, but you know, I mean, you can have a job today if, if yes, you are willing you to go. if you are willing to become an apprentice. If you don't know carpentry or electrical work or plumbing and you're willing to be an apprentice and learn that trade, uh, you can have a job today. And uh, you will, um, you'll start out, you know, plumbers start out, you know, 50,000, carpenters, 50 to 65 a year. Uh, But last time we talked about this, Carmen, it was back on December 2nd when we talked about this. uh, They, you know, there's nationwide, there's about 750,000 carpenters. The need is over a million for plumbers. Mm. Um, Plumbers, the high end ones can make over 100,000 a year. Um, Electricians can make 75 to 100,000 a year. And uh, and they're losing 3,000 electricians on average every year. Uh, delivery drivers, truck drivers, uh, package delivery people, customer service, 
uh, nurses, all of those kinds of jobs are in very high demand right now, and they are being accentuated by the pandemic and, and the COVID issues that we're facing as a nation. It's just, yeah, it's it, it genuinely extraordinary, the kinds of opportunities that exist right now. And I recognize that for a lot of people, you know, you just have to have a shift in thinking in terms of um, uh, of the expectation of what what work is worthy. So could we talk about that for a minute? Because there is no unworthy work in the, uh, you know, in, in the in the kingdom of God. There's no unworthy work. It's all work. As long, yeah, it is. And that and it's an, it's an expression of worship to God. And the amount of money that you make is less important uh, than from, from the worthiness perspective now than it is uh, to do it unto the Lord, right? Uh, to, to do your job unto the Lord. Um, you know, th- I've, I've been known to say to people in ministry, you know, get used to being around people who are richer than you because many of the people in your church or your or on your ministry boards and stuff will probably be more wealthy than you. You need to be okay with that and not find your worth in your paycheck, but find your worth in the fact that you're obeying God and that you are doing what he has called you to do. Yeah, Amen. Hey, Bill, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, um, let's let's pivot and let's talk about um, wisdom. This is Wisdom okay. Wednesday, so can we pivot and talk about wisdom? You bet. Because you're you know you're a wise old owl, not really. Old, I don't but know about that. Come on, wisened. old maybe. You're a wisened owl. All right, we'll be back. B a bay, b e b b i bicky by b o bo bicky by bo b u boo bicky by bo boo. Hmm. I have no idea what that music is. Uh, that's the uh, Three Stooges, their alphabet swing. <laughs> You're talking wise, guys. <laughs> okay. Well, no, no, we were talking wisdom. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, My mistake. Really, Paul is confused. Bill, could you, could you, uh, could you help Paul? Yeah, actually, I could. Off air, I was telling him that when I did this is way long ago when I did desktop support in the IT division at 3M in St. Paul. I was part of a team called the Windows Integrated Service Experts. We were called the Wise Guys. <gasps> and we would go around and do desktop support at 3M. So there you go. Yeah, wisdom yeah. Integrated Service Experts. Windows. Windows, not wisdom. Windows oh. Integrated Service Experts. We were Wise Guys. Nice. All right. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about um, <laughs> less worldly wise and more wisdom of God. What do you got yeah. for us? Yeah, you know what? Uh, as I'm wont to do, I sometimes read through Proverbs each chapter a day of the month. And uh, when I got to chapter 22, and I, I ran across something I've read a lot of times, the 30 sayings of the wise. And I thought, oh, you know, this is interesting. And for the first time, I started to think about it in terms of business and business ownership. And uh, and so I just ended up blogging yesterday on wisdom sayings for business owners. And the first one here is in chapter 22, verses 17 through 21. It's really an introduction. And uh, and I don't know if it's Solomon or, or another author writes, pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach, for it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord I teach you today, even you, have I not written 30 sayings for you, sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you to be honest and to speak the truth so that you can bring back truthful reports to those you serve. And I thought, oh, you know, as, as people in business, 
and even people not in business, just for everybody. We need to really turn our ear to the attention of the wisdom sayings in Scripture and bake them into the visceral part of our being and apply our heart to what is available to us in the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and those kinds of places. Absolutely. Um, this this notion that uh, that there would be 30 sayings for us, like that kind of catches my attention, right? Um, what might be if I were to just sit down and chronicle the 30 sayings of counsel and knowledge that God has for those who are media personalities on the air every morning? What, what are those? Or what are the 30 sayings of counsel and knowledge um, to those of you who work in any sort of medical profession or caregiving uh, profession or educational profession? What are the 30 sayings of counsel and knowledge that God might have for you as a counselor? Like on and on and on. Like I just think there's just like this cool... <laughs> There's this cool application of this text. Um, so why don't you walk us through um, some of what you talk about in, in the blog that you have posted at BibleandBusiness.com? Well, uh, the blog is simply about the verses that I wrote here, and I plan on blogging the rest of these 30 sayings over the next, I don't know how many weeks or cool. months. I love um, that. I do too, uh, and, and it's personally very helpful for me to do this. But the the heap. Let me let me look at at two. Let, let me look at a phrase. First of all, it starts about pay attention. The Hebrew there uh, literally means uh, to um, turn your ear. It's it's the word for hearing, and it's the word for obedience in Hebrew. So it initially says pay attention, stand up, listen, and then in Hebrew the thinking would be, apply it to your own life. And in fact, that's what this next phrase says, apply your heart to teach, or apply your heart to what I teach, the wisdom, the wise one is saying here. That word apply in the Hebrew means to firmly fix, to completely bake into the visceral part of your being these teachings. We anchor them in, in the visceral part, we firmly fix them, and they become the organizing principles of our lives. And so we listen, we pay attention, and then we we anchor these sayings into our lives. Um, that is what I think leads to wisdom. It leads to trust in the Lord, this, these verses go on to say, uh, and it leads to honesty and truth. And in the article, I talk about, Carmen, how trust and truth are linked together. It's hard to trust without truth. And it's hard to be truthful without being without being able to trust the other person that you're being truthful with. A lot of times when people can't be truthful with somebody, it's because they don't trust them. And uh, and then the last the last piece I'll say here, because I'm, I'm sure you want to jump in, is that um, one of the core operating principles that I bake into every company that I've ever led is the phrase, "The truth is never the problem." And, and and what I mean by this is that if you're not dealing with the truth, then you're dealing with fantasy, and that never leads to good outcomes, right? I mean, you know, you can make decisions based on fantasy, not reality, or you, you make decisions on how you wish things were rather than how they actually are, and as a result, you make bad decisions as a leader, and that always hurts your organization or your team or whatever it is that, that you're leading. So pursuing wisdom as defined in the Bible, baking it into your life— Firmly anchoring it in the visceral part of your being will lead to you being a truthful person, a trustworthy person, and uh, and it will lead to a place where you can really start to connect with God and other people in meaningful ways. I think part of wisdom and your the truth is never the problem um, statement gets at this. 
I think that there are a lot of people who don't want to deal with that that actually is. Like we we don't want to deal with what actually is. We'd rather um, deal with what we imagine about somebody else um, or, I mean, we deflect, we we hide, we focus, our, you know, attention and energy on, on something that's really actually not critical. Um, there's all kinds of ways that we as people try to avoid the truth. And I think that this is a critical part of wisdom, and God certainly talks about it. Um, I mean, God is truth, and if you're going to deal with that which actually is, if you're going to really deal with God, you're going to be dealing with the truth. And sometimes the truth is um, awful. It's awful about ourselves. I mean, sin is real. I mean, the reason that we need to cast ourselves on the mercy of God and find our hope in Jesus Christ is because the truth about us is is bad. Um, But there's also the redemptive truth, which is ultimately good. And so, you know, I, I think you're getting at something. I think you are, uh, I think you're, you're scratching at something here that's, um, that's really, really important. It's hard to be truthful with ourselves. It just is. Because we, we, oft, we often have a really kind of a sanguine view, an optimistic view of ourselves, and, and tend to have more pessimistic views of other people. That's just human nature. But when we draw close to God and we start to bake his wisdom into our lives, we, we learn how to be truthful with ourselves and truthful with ourselves about what's going on around us. I've known business owners who have told me, I make decisions for how my business is going to be in the future, and I think they're fools to do that. You have to make decisions for how things are in the present. And whether it's in business or in a personal life, maybe you're facing something that is uh, physically very debilitating, facing into the truth, understanding the, the truth of what's really wrong with your body is not the problem. You need to face into that. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks and you need to be truthful about your part in it. Maybe your 10% caused the other spouse's 90%, you know? Um, maybe your kids are looking, maybe they're, you're starting to realize they're addicted to porn or they're into drugs or something like that. The truth of that is not the problem. The problem is how do we deal with it? How did we get there and how do we get out of it? Those are all things that can be problems, but the raw video without any sound, the raw video of what's actually happening is never the problem. And when you define those things, which you cannot change as the problem, then you don't have any solutions for yourself. When we face into God, when we face into the Word, and we, and we really let God do His inventory on our lives in a truthful way, we learn how to be truthful with ourselves. And as a result, we can be truthful with ourselves about other things in life as well. Yeah, nobody likes that light shined um, in the no. dark hidden places. Nobody, no, nobody. They and we, don't. It, no, and we get like super defensive. Like, how dare you? Uh, you know, how, how dare you? That's my private stash, or that's my, you know, that's my room. That's my stuff. That's my like, you know, right? And you're like, that is not the problem here. The the fact that the truth is now known is not the problem. Uh, let's you know, let's I, deal let's deal with the problem. Yeah, go ahead. One one uh, one piece of advice for all of us. Okay, for the next 30 days in your quiet time with God every day, stop and say, God, what sins do I need to confess? Mm. Okay, and God will be truthful with you and you will have to be truthful with yourself. And if you do that, I promise you, if you do that for 30 days, 
consistently every day for the next 30 days and you stop and listen to the voice of God and you listen to him say, Bill, you know, you lusted here. Bill, you were coveting here. Bill, you actually didn't tell the truth here. Bill, you know, you're, you were critical here when you didn't need to be. Uh, and, and a host of other sins. Um, if, if, if we can let God be truthful with us, we'll learn to be truthful with ourselves and we will have a walk with God that is vibrant and real and is something that you can never you, you can't buy that with money. You can only get it by communing with God and letting him do a rectal exam of your life uh, from mm. a sin. I'm, so, I'm sorry for the analogy Ooh, there. That okay. was a bad analogy. Well, let's let, we're going to leave that right there. <laughs> yeah. That's Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. There is a post that you should read and, and take, this, take, this, take this challenge. Um, invite God. Uh, every single day for the next 30 days. God, what sins do I need to see and confess? Um, let God speak to you um, and, and reveal what only God can reveal. And then, you know, deal with it. It's the truth. All right, go to BibleandBusiness.com. Read the post on wisdom sayings for business owners. Um, great, great stuff from Bill English. Hey, thanks, man. Hey, you're welcome. Have a good day. You too. We'll be right back. All right, that is Promise to America's Children.org for those of you looking for that information. Um, all right, Billy Russell is well known to many, many people, um, not only in the Twin Cities as the longtime uh, pastor of, um, of the Greater Friendship Baptist Church, but he's known by people across the country as a person who has been engaged since the early days of the civil rights movement. He is reaching retirement, and we thought it would be, it would be good to reflect with uh, Pastor Russell today um, about what he's learned over the years. Just invite him to reflect on um, how things have changed and how, well, God remains the same. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Locato. Did you know that the Smith in silversmith comes from the old English word smite. Silversmiths are accomplished smiters. So is God. A silversmith buffets the metal until he is finished with it. Some silversmiths, I'm told, keep polishing until they can see their face in the tool. When will God stop with you? When he sees his reflection in you. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. The pounding you feel does not suggest God's distance, but proves his nearness. Trust his sovereignty. Hasn't he earned your trust? Has he ever spoken a word that proved to be false, given a promise that proved to be a lie? Look up reliability in heaven's dictionary and read its one word definition. God, if we are faithless, he always remains faithful. He cannot deny his own nature. This is Max Lucado. Russell, pastor of the Greater Friendship Friendship Missionary Baptist Church, um, is approaching retirement, uh, and we thought it would be great to just visit with him today. Billy, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. All right, retirement. Um, I'm going to just let you talk about that word. What does it mean, and how do you know it's time? 
Um, retirement, it, it's really not saying I'm quitting, uh, walking away from ministry. It's just going to my next phase of my next chapter. I've been pastoring for 40 years, and uh, I've been here in the Twin Cities for over 20 years. And um, so I'm just going to the next phase, and it's time to do it because I, I know that this new leadership, uh, younger leadership with a new vision, and I want to try to help groom that new leadership. And I want to do that with more than just greater friendship with churches across the country. I love that. I love that there's a there's a vision for the next phase of ministry. Um, I'd like to invite you just to, re- to reflect on uh, serving as a pastor. I, when we think about the expectations that we have of pastors, maybe how the role um, in a in a local church, in a city, um, maybe in the nation, like uh, just reflect a little bit on the role of pastor um, and how you have experienced that changing over time. Well, um, as I said, it started 40 years ago um, in rural Mississippi, uh, Columbia area. I, um, it's totally different now than what it was then. The mm-hmm. role has changed, but it still revolves around service, serving the people, loving the people, and teaching the people about Jesus Christ. That's the main thing, loving them, serving them, teaching them and that's the pastor must do that and care for them and we've developed care systems to make sure that our people are cared for and that's what pastoring has been to me and as i said that role has evolved over the years and um now um i would say we are much more involved in social justice and those kinds of things mm-hmm. and uh- so talk a little bit about that. I mean, I'm I'm thinking back 40 years, and um, the world was different. Um, relationships uh, between Black and white Americans were different, um, and yet we still face great challenges on that front today. Uh, talk a little bit about how that has been um, a subject line in uh, in in your experience as a pastor over time. Well. Um... As I look back and look, and I hear my daddy's voice, and um, he was um, really doing the civil rights era. He was on the front lines mm. and fighting for for justice, fighting for racial justice, fighting for ra- racial equality, and also trying to keep hope alive in the people. Because in, in the midst of all the suffering and the hurt and the pain, it had to be that voice to keep people going because we were struggling. I mean, in the cotton fields and stuff like that. And, and, and he's still saying, God is for you. And people was getting tired. They were wondering, how can God be for us? And we we're suffering through all this pain. But he was the voice, and the black preacher, especially, was the voice to keep hope alive. And we also, during that, that time, we had leaders like uh, civil rights leaders, you know, like Dr. Martin Luther King and Jesse Jackson and others, many others, uh, who gave us that hope that this, things are going to change. People marched in the street. I, I participated in marches. Uh, even uh, back in uh, my high school days, I participated. I, I led my first march because um, uh, they was trying to prevent us from having a black history program. And um, I led the school out. We m- walked out of the school, and we ended up not only getting a day, but getting a week of black history program. So, uh, so we've always been involved in that. And, and 
it's kind of strange that the same things that happened then we're still facing the same issues um and, and not much has has changed um but now we got to get to a point where I, I preached on Sunday and I told my people, I said, we got to hope again. Mm. We got to believe again, because it seemed like along the line with all that has happened to us, especially the last few years, it has caused a lot of people, a lot of hope to dwindle. And it's caused a lot of the cause of the, uh, the thing we had to go through, the, uh, the oppression. I think that the oppression is what's been uh, breathing uh, contempt. And, you know, and, and people wonder what other, what other response can you expect? Uh, going through some of the oppressive things we've gone through, and and as when Christians are asking today, like, what can we do? <laughs> you know, can we actually fight back? Can we actually say something? Is there is there a such thing as righteous indignation? Uh, can good people find favor with God when they rise up against oppression? And the answer is yes. And that's what I've been trying to say. And, and during this season, I'm I'm teaching my people and telling them that we yeah we got to pray. And pray because without prayer, we, we, we can't make it. So we must pray and ask God to intervene in every situation. But we also got to protest. And I say protest, and I say that peaceful protest, peaceful protest. But then I say we got to participate. Not only must we, must we protest, but we got to participate. When we get to the table, we got to tell people what we want, and we got to be at the table. So that's what we are, and that's what we're doing, and that's what I'm really working with people to do that. And and the bottom line is the church right now, we must declare unity against hate. Hmm. That's my whole thing. Declare unity against hate. And that's on that's on all sides. I'm talking about not just white people. I'm talking about black, white, Asian, Jews, Gentile, everybody got to declare unity against hate in order for these problems to be solved. Because sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I say the wrong thing. Sometimes I do the wrong thing. And I had to ask God to forgive me that I can move forth and do the right thing. And I think that we must get to that point where we make this racial justice a lifestyle. We got mm-hmm. it's not just not just an event, you know. Uh, even as I look at Black History Month, it's, it's not just an event for me. It's mm-hmm. time for a revol- it's time for a revolution. And that's so. Why can I, I read it? Yeah, I want to read a Martin Luther King Jr. quote on that topic because yes. um, you and I got to take a very brief break, and I want to I want to hear more about this. But I'd love I'd love to read this quote and then have you reflect on this um, when we come back from the from the break. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, in a in a sermon entitled um, "A Testament of Hope." Well, this is in the essential writings um, of of MLK. Um, I think the sermon was entitled "A Time to Break the Silence." Here here's a here's the quote. A true revolution of values will soon cause us to question the fairness and justice of many of our past and present policies. On the one hand, we're called to play the Good Samaritan on life's roadside, um, but, uh, but that will only be the initial act. One day we must come to see the whole Jericho Road must be transformed so that men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. True compassion is more than flinging a coin to a beggar. It is not haphazard and superficial. It comes to see that an edifice which produces beggars needs reconstructing. A true revolution of values will soon look uneasily on the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth and say, this is not just. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Billy Russell to reflect on that when we come back. We shall not, we shall not be moved. We 
Talking now with Pastor Billy Russell from the Greater Friendship Missionary Baptist Church. Um, Billy, let's reflect uh, together on, you know, the difference between helping the person on the side of the road and then seeing uh, a new person, another person, another generation, um, and failing to understand that what is needed is, is a transformation of the road. Because I feel like that's where we've arrived. A transformation of the road. That's a good way to say it. You know, and I, I was I was just thinking, um, God places a, a a high priority on on justice, and He wants His people to live in a, a society uh, where justice reigns and where freedom reigns, where there is no oppression, where the poor and the helpless and the widows and the orphans are, are taken care of, and not just cast aside, not just tossed the cone, want them to be taken care of. And that's that's the point where we must get in America, that we must be willing to take care of people, not just give me a hand up. I want a hand up. That's what, what it is. And so um, throughout history, you know, it's been like a roller coaster ride. You know, like we, we go through all these, these different seasons, these different times, and and we think we're getting better, but then something happens and, and sets send us right back to what we seem like we just came from. You know, when you look at something like what happened at the Capitol, I mean, something like that, it, it brought tears to my eyes uh, because, you know, I don't I don't hate anybody. I don't hate them because they did what they did. I still love them. I, I hope they come into a safe relationship with Christ. But I know that those people exist. I know that. I know there are people who who really don't want anything to look like uh, let's get relationship getting the better or giving us uh, giving uh, a hand up, but we still must love them. Cause I, I still say we must come together in unity and 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 come against hate in all forms. And that I believe that's what Doctor King was saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel like Billy that there's this missing part of the conversation where. Um, we don't just all recognize we're on the road together. Like, it's not as if the road belongs to one group of people and, you know, and there's people on the side of it. It, it We're all on the road together. I mean, the Pilgrim's Progress, you know, the, the King's Way, like, right? I mean, as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, um, I don't want anybody off, you know, off the edge of the King's Way. I certainly don't want them pushed off the edge or harassed off the edge or oppressed. And, and I want everybody on the King's Way making progress consistently toward the celestial city. Like that's, you know, and, and the more the merrier. Like that ought to be um, the affect of the Christian in the world today. Like when we, when I think about sort of what's broken in our nation and we start talking about like massive infrastructure plans, this is the infrastructure that is most most horridly in need of reformation and it's this road that we're that we fail to see that we're on together this is the infrastructure that needs to be reconstructed and only the love of christ is going to conquer that and i truly truly believe when we start to love people like we say we love jesus that's going to make the difference right there because you know african americans are in a situation and uh, today and and that we continually ask the question, when are we going to get over this? When are we going to really uh, see the light? When are we going to solve this race problem? When are we going to solve the hate problem? And then I think about it, and I just, look, I just want to be human. 
I've mm-hmm. always preached about, I just, you know, I preached about we're better together because, you know, when you look at in the beginning, God created us, uh, you know, as one. So can we just get back to that and realize that we are in this together and, and not and make a difference and maybe just, just because of the color of my skin? I want to be human. When are we going to defeat this enemy that try to make me think that I'm not human? When are we going to overcome this setback we are, that the country's in right now? We got to overcome this. And if we don't overcome this, we are headed for destruction. So my, my thing is now I'm pleading for us to love God and love people. Overcoming the idea that anyone is less than human. Um, is is absolutely essential. Uh, I love your language there. Um, not only is the problem hate, um, and not only are we like failing to live the reality that we're better together, we we are together at creation, and we will be together in the kingdom. I think that there is, um, you know, the cross at the middle of that, Billy. That people have to recognize we have to we have to move to recreation, to kingdom living, and we only get there by way of the cross. And in the culture, that's hard to say out loud. Right. And that's, you know, that's why I say growing up, I was really, I was made to feel less than human. Mm. I, I, I felt like being black was a disease. I mean, because with the name calling and the cross burnings in my yard, I mean, and it would see, see my daddy, uh, being turned away at banks and and not being able to get a loan. We didn't have our own land, but yet we still walk this road like, God, we love you. God, come through for us. And he kept preaching. I kept preaching. But as a young man, I'm wondering, like, who is this God? Is, is it just for, for other people, not for, for black people? Until I came into a relationship, and I had to realize I had to humble myself because uh, you know, and I don't know if I've told you this before. I, I stood on the stage with John Piper when he released his book. Um, um, I can't remember the name of, name of the book, but he, he released a book, Bloodlands. And I realized there as a pastor, I still had a lot of deep rooted hatred in my heart because of what had happened to me growing up. And I, I had to ask God for forgiveness right there on that stage as a pastor. And I had to confess it before my people. I said, I need to, to confess the hatred that's been in my heart because of what I came up through and the thing that was said to me, the thing that was done to me. But right now, I ask God to forgive me. And I had to humble myself in order for us to go forth, in order for me to re- really work on this better together, in order for us to really work on coming together. I had to ask God to forgive me and humble myself. So I think humility is, is, is going to work for both for all of us. We must humble ourselves before God and do his will. We can't get caught up in our own pride. And, you know, and, and therefore, when we see hate, or when we hear hate speech, we call it out. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't just stand by and let things just go. We got to say something. You see something, say something. I'm, uh, I'm taking notes. Um, Billy, what, um, what a pleasure to have you join us today. Um, I am looking forward to the way that God is going to use you in the next season of ministry. We certainly want to celebrate the way um, in which the people have been so blessed at the Greater Friendship Missionary Baptist Church and um, throughout the Twin Cities, looking forward to how God uh, is going to use you to advance this conversation across the nation. And so we look forward to future conversations with you as well. I look forward to, to having the conversation. 
And you are. Um, th- what about thank you. Do? Yeah, and just thank you for thank being you. so um, so transparent, so candid, um, so honest. Because it it's you give us a pattern to follow, and um, and we need that. So thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. All right. Um, thank you for those of you who are um, texting in your your concern and your compassion. Um, and yes, amen, amen, and amen. Um, why don't you reach out today um, to someone who's African-American and just ask them what their experience has been. Um, just say, hey, I heard a pastor talking about his experience of being called names and being made to feel less than human. Um, does that resonate with you? Because if so, oh man, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.